0: It takes pressure. The world of high-level sports constantly asks you one question, are you for real? You are asked at every practice, every meeting, and every time you stand toe-to-toe against someone who has based their answer on how they fare against you. Everything is filmed. Every detail is scrutinized. Every moment is graded. Yes, graded, just like an academic exam. Your habits have no place to hide. This happens on the practice field and in the locker room, before the TV networks, fans, fanatics, pregame shows, postgame shows, talk radio shows, family members, and agents enter the equation. You probably don't have those particular dynamics in your daily life, but you almost certainly have to deal with grading and scrutiny at work or at home. And your coworkers, your spouse, and your children are all asking, using different words, The same thing a football player's new teammate is asking him, are you for real? Whatever you're doing, we want the opportunity to contribute, to be held accountable, to be relevant, to be scared, to be emotional, to be fired, to be hired, to help others succeed and to succeed ourselves by doing so. In order to do this, you have to pay attention to your mind, your words, your behavior, your responses, and your thinking, however you do it. It needs to be done. This is true anywhere, but it plays out more publicly in the world of sports. On top of the obvious psychological requirements, there are knowledge requirements and interpersonal requirements to function in a diverse, competitive as heck environment. Think Lord of the Flies, but on a bigger island with much scarier opponents. And everyone needs that conch. Greatness is available to anyone, including your opponents. And the pressure is on you to snatch it first. This is true on the field, on the court, or in your office. You may be intimidated by that pressure that you feel to perform every day. Instead, try to embrace it. Pressure isn't a burden. It isn't something to be avoided or minimized. As tennis great Billie Jean King said, pressure is a privilege. What does that mean? If you're under pressure, it means someone gives a shit about what you do. If you're under pressure, it means someone relies on you. That is the ultimate privilege. The key is responding properly to that pressure because those who perform under the greatest pressure capture, capture the greatest victories. That's why you should run towards pressure instead of away from it. The world of sports is every bit as cutthroat as the business Goldman Sachs operates. Goldman Sachs may drop in the bottom 5 to 10% of their workforce each year. That's competitive. But sports pushes out far more. 21 of the 129 head coaching jobs in college football's top subdivision turned over after the 2018 season. Six of 32 NFL coaches got fired after the 2018 season. Every year, each of those 32 teams brings 90 players into training camp to compete for 53 jobs. That means that 1,184 players will get fired before their first regular game. A habit has no hiding place in sports, good or bad. The film will be watched. You will be graded. Your competency is forced on you. You can't hide behind ignorance. You can't say, I didn't know, because the team also has video of the coach telling you the things that you were supposed to know. And to to anyone reading this, if you think you're hiding behind ignorance in your non-sports job, you're not. You may not have a tell the truth Monday with video in your office, but that does not make the reality any different. It takes what it takes in every walk of life, In your relationships, it takes what it takes. With your health, it takes what it takes. To get promoted, it takes what it takes. Average people become average by doing average shit. It takes a specific set of behaviors, or lack of them, to be average. No one is born that way. People can behave themselves in a mediocrity. They can also behave themselves out of it. The right set of behaviors doesn't guarantee wins. Embracing pressure doesn't either. This still isn't about an outcome. It never will be. It's about creating the opportunity to win by behaving like people who win. It's about creating the opportunity to succeed by not ignoring pressure when you know it's a necessary challenge that anyone who achieves must navigate. It's hard. You accept that. I learned in year two at Alabama in 2008 that psychological strength needed to come from repetition. You can't hold athletes accountable for an organizational language, mentality, or mindset if you're not building the alphabet so that they can spell the l- and live the words. Alabama coach Nick Saban and Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher believe this. Kirby Smart at Georgia believes this. Most coaches and leaders don't even know that they don't believe it. I work at a field that doesn't really exist. I don't judge that. Coaches' lack of interest in mental conditioning is probably due to the seemingly infinite supply of willing employees. If athletes are messed up, you just discard them and get new ones. If they're good, you're you're hoping that they unlock the standard to be better. If they're great, most programs just try not to mess it up in their current ability rather than challenge them to become even greater. For eight weeks every summer at Alabama, we'd execute a program called The Mindset. The game plan we install for ourselves, a great program, seeks feedback, and my time in the NFL and at Tuscaloosa with Coach Saban gave me the opportunity to give my opinion and suggest and implement ideas and changes as we evolve a new program. White papers weren't relevant. Practicality and effectiveness were. I'd base much of this on the behaviorist theory in classic psychology. Behavioral psychology operates on a theory that humans adopt their behaviors because they are conditioned by their surroundings to choose those behaviors. Our behaviors, in essence, are a response to our environment. A healthy self-esteem matters. To a football player or a concert pianist, self-concept is real. Self-efficiency is real. Environmental self-image versus internal self-image, this is all real. Neutral didn't exist, at least not in my mind at that time but we all knew negativity was a death sentence. All of these things matter because they are the building blocks and impact us daily for better or worse. Am I equipped to handle my life? Mental conditioning isn't a part of how coaches are trained, so it isn't something that typically gets embodied in a program. That doesn't make the truth less true. Life is coming for us. Adversity is on a steamroller headed right at us. Success? That can actually become its own adversity for many of the best. Everyone struggles with it. Coaches do, front office executives do, certainly the players themselves do. At the end of the 2007 season, my belief was that the summer in college football nicely laid out a support program where we could give performers a set of psychological tools and team functionality to complement their strengths. Coach Saban trusted me to figure out a way to get this done. By the time the Florida State team I worked with in 2013 hit the summer before the season, I had refined this program using five years of results at at Alabama with Coach Saban and three years as results at Florida State with Coach Fisher. The mindset program was customized for each team. In that first meeting in the summer of 2013 at Florida State, I grabbed two whiteboards. Strength coaches Vic Valoria and Brandon Red Sanders helped me write down every result from 2011 and 2012 before we sat down with the players for the opening 30 minutes of mindset sessions. The room was quiet. I walked from one side of the theater style meeting room and stood to the side of the podium. Does anyone have anything to say about what they see on those boards up there? I recognize that they are the past. I know this summer and I know this time is about the future. But before we go to what's next, does anyone have something to say about what was? In the middle, leaning forward from the third row, senior linebacker Telvin Smith put his hand up. I do, Trev, he said. He stepped over the three chairs in front of him, walked to me, grabbed the pen out of my hand. In that moment, I realized he would become an incredible force multiplier for my summer responsibilities. I slowly made my way to the front row and sat on the far side. Telvin circled a series of games, then looked at the team. UVA at home, he said, no more. NC State, no more. Wake Forest, nah, no way, no more. Those were games Florida State lost when the Seminoles had more talented team. I don't know what a Malcolm X speech was like to experience in person, but as someone who studied him in college, I understood that he had a way about him that couldn't be taught. It both intimidated and inspired Telvin, and Telvin had this, and the room was his. And why is this happening to us, he asked his teammates. They better? Those teams better? He turned to center Brian Stork. Why you think, Stork? He looked at the presumed new starting quarterback, Jameis Winston. How about you, Jamison? He wheeled on defensive backs LaMarcus Joyner and Terrence Brooks. Wake got something we don't have. We lose these games because things we do. Things we don't do. I'm going to be real with you all. It ain't happening no more. I won't let it. Believe that. Here you go, Trev. Do what you do, because I know everyone's ass is going to listen all summer. I looked at Vic and read, wow. I grabbed the pen and opened with a video. The fourth quarter at Virginia Tech in 2012 appeared on the screen. It was 28 degrees, which may as well be Antarctica for a bunch of guys from Florida. But these guys did everything right and escaped Blacksburg with a 28-22 win. Then I showed the fourth quarter of the 2012 NC State game. Everything seemed to go wrong. They could connect the dots, and it reinforced Telvin's point. At the end of the spring, Jimbo Fisher had built a framework with the leaders around the idea of being elite. He had seeded much earlier that Telvin said that day, and our shirts and written materials were covered with the words elite. My job would be to help them see, across different sports and performers, examples of what that looked like and sounded like. To build self-esteem, we showed players what success looks like and how to achieve. And we showed them that they had the capability to do the same things. We also shared basic elements of how the mind processes and learns and is influenced from the outside in and the inside out. There are no complicated words. Nothing was hard to grasp. Over the coming weeks, players discussed the week in 2012 that led up to the NC State loss. They would compare the behaviors that week to their behaviors the week they played Virginia Tech. That allowed them to see their own influence on wins and losses before stepping onto the field. They opened up about specific guys doing or not doing things. They were understanding and working out the idea of choice, not really being a choice if they wanted to win. They were applying internal pressure to help themselves improve before the external pressure arrived. This is what the best organizations do. They create an atmosphere that prepares their people to handle the adversity they'll face in the course of the job. We were guiding players to simple simple truths, showing them that the path was clear and so were the requirements. In October of that year, those players would face real external pressure. Would their behaviors be good enough to allow them to embrace that pressure and capitalize on it? When the Seminoles drove into Clemson, South Carolina on October 19, 2013, it was time. We looked like the future. Clemson was the present. NFL scouts and famous alumni lined the field. This wasn't a game, it was the game. Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, Leo Corso, David Pollock, Desmond Howard, ESPN College Game Day spent three hours that morning hyping the matchup. Were we for real or were the Tigers? both teams are about to get exposed. Exposed in a neutral term in this case. You can be exposed as a fraud. You can also be exposed as a winner. The highest achievers in sports, business, and in the military actually embrace embrace that opportunity to be exposed. Why? Because they prepared for the moment. Who wants to live life on a practice field? At some point, we need to step onto the real field and play. It's your choice. And there's that word again, choice. Streaks are meant to be broken, Jimbo said during the pregame interview, speaking of Florida State's five-game losing streak in Death Valley. The game probably was over when Telvin, the linebacker who made my summer program so much easier, jarred the ball ball loose from Clemson's Stanton uh, Secker on the Tigers' first play from scrimmage, and Brooks recovered to give the Seminoles the ball on the Clemson 34-yard line. Two plays later, Winston threw a 22-yard touchdown pass to Kelvin Benjamin. It definitely was over midway through the second quarter when Winston hit Rashid Green for a 72-yard touchdown pass that made the score 24-7. As Rashad reached the end zone, he put his finger to his lips. The crowd, which had made the stadium shake only an hour earlier, complied with silence. After Florida State's 51-14 win, Telvin approached receivers coach Lawrence Dossie, who had played alongside Deion Sanders on some of the best teams Florida State ever produced. Was this what it felt like? Yes, Dossie replied. With Telvin leading the way, the Florida State team had developed that behaviors champions adopt. Now the Seminoles had staked their claim as the nation's best college team, and it's no coincidence that their season ended in the Rose Bowl with a national title. The Florida State team embraced pressure by adopting the behaviors that led to decisions to win in Clemson. That Clemson team shrank from the pressure. It's no accident that two years later, a Clemson team with great leaders and great habits embraced the pressure and took back the Atlantic Coast Conference from Florida State. The Tigers built on that win and wound up playing for a national title three times in four years, winning two. I'll bet they had some meetings that looked an awful lot like the ones we had in Tallahassee in the summer of 2013. What is pressure really? Pressure means you have ambition, and that ambition can be in any area of your life. That squeezing feeling of pressure is no different whether you're Russell Wilson in the tunnel in Glendale, Arizona with Bittersweet Symphony playing and Tom Brady across the field, or you're a CFO preparing for an earnings call with your board and stockholders listening, or a student preparing for a big exam, or a parent helping your child through a difficult moment in life. When we want something, we will feel a pull towards it. But the best things won't simply be given to us. We don't experience pressure around the things that come easy to us. But the things everyone wants, but only a select few can have. We feel that squeeze. Pressure can be terrifying. Billie Jean King called it a privilege because on on the other side of it are truly incredible feelings. And the acquisition of something we value. The scariest places I've ever found myself have been in the ocean when I'm swimming far from shore. In those spots, my imagination can own me, but I go immediately in my mind to the truth. Can I handle this moment? I was born on a lake. I'm a strong swimmer, but where's my fitness at? When is the last time I swam? How is my tolerance for big waves? Pressure feels a lot like swimming for me. Building a new business, deep water filled with waves, separation, divorce, uncomfortable waters, rough, and incredibly cold. Pressure is best navigated on two levels. Who am I now? What have I done in my life to prepare myself to deal with the pressure I face? This is a list of neutral statements that help identify strengths and weaknesses. In the swimming scenario, I made an honest evaluation of my swimming ability. The divorce scenario is much more complicated, but I can still evaluate the evaluate the factors that can help me or harm me going forward. On the plus side, I'm still young enough to find happiness with someone else. We didn't have children, so we don't have to drag anyone else through this. I have built a thriving business that allows me to be financially secure and meet a diverse group of interesting, successful people. On the negative side, I need to fix the issues that harm this marriage. I need to improve my work-life balance. Who will I be? Here we create our goal and we make our plan to be ready when pressure comes again. We take what we learned, good or bad, from the last pressure situation and design behaviors that should make us more successful the next time around. If I barely make it back to shore in the swimming scenario, I need to either practice swimming in rough water more often or not swim so far from the shore. In the divorce scenario, I need to thoroughly examine the factors that led to the failure of my marriage and try to build myself into a person who will be a better husband or not get married again. Want is a precursor to any success we have in our lives. It's the starting point. Its infection point is pressure. When we want something, there usually is a process that leads to its attainment. Pressure becomes useful, especially at an inflection point, because it puts us into a seeking mode, and we're all open to the answers. Pressure also can be a byproduct of need. Anyone... Uh, Ask anyone who has gotten laid off unexpectedly about the pressure they felt. It's intense. I've worked with multiple coaching staffs that got fired, and that process is never easy. But the only way to get back on your feet is to welcome that pressure. Running from it can make a bad situation worse. By understanding that you've reached an inflection point, even though it wasn't one you chose, And by making a neutral assessment of your situation that catalogs your abilities in relation to the job market, you can overcome the shock and find what's next. The pressure might make you reach out to people you were scared to approach before. It might embolden you to try something you never would have before. It might lead you to a better situation if you steer into the pressure instead of away from it. The key is is to be ready when the pressure comes. When you're willing to jump over three chairs and grab a pen and take ownership, you're ready. Many of us live our lives like they're rental, rental cars. We don't clean rental cars. We can ding them up without consequences. When we own a car, we tend to worry more about jumping curbs or scratching the rims. We wash the car. We wax it. We vacuum the floor mats. Your life isn't a rental car. You own it. And that means that you must engage in the behaviors that keep it good work, in good working order. If you do, it will respond when you press the gas, when the driver of the semi is is in the next lane, decides he wants to move onto your lane, but doesn't see you. You need to be thinking neutrally, making plans, and making good choices so you prepare when the pressure arrives. Someone is going to get what they want. It's up to you to make sure that person is you. You can behave in your way into being ready, even if you don't have the perfect God-given skill set for your situation. Someone else having a gift that you don't have isn't a valid excuse. Just ask Russell Wilson. Mike Glennon, the quarterback who sat behind Russell at NC State and took over when Russ transferred, was always viewed as the more naturally gifted quarterback. He had the height, the arm, the look. Which one of those guys won a Super Bowl, though? No outside force is going to bestow what we want on any of us. We have to follow the plan that we self-prescribe. Are we for real? If I'm doing what I intended to do in the manner it is supposed to be done, then I am absolutely for real. For the best of anything, the real pressure happens inside, not externally. But everyone is swimming in that dark ocean. Fear is real. Believe it. Still, we can all swim if we are willing to learn. And on the backside of accomplishment is a feeling that you can't buy. You can't snort it. You can't take a pill for it. You earn it. Because you did it. And you were part of a team that did it. And when you live in those locker rooms, you want more of it? Believe me, I've stood on a field in the Rose Bowl, the Superdome, the Orange Bowl. I didn't score a touchdown, but I felt like I had. That triumph and that glory is what the back end of pressure feels like. And trust me, it's totally worth it.